0: Romans chapter 8, we begin in verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate Them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Amen. We'll end our reading in verse 32. We know that the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his word for his name's sake. I'm not going to focus on verse 32 today, but I can hardly read it without remarking that every blessing you receive from God comes the same way that salvation came to you initially. It comes freely freely by His grace. We never earn anything from God. We didn't earn salvation from Him. We don't earn the daily blessings that He bestows uh, by uh, any spiritual attainment of our own. It all comes fully and freely from Him on account of Christ, who has merited the blessings for us. What I want to call your attention to this afternoon, however, is a section of verse 30. We have here a text, I guess you could say verses 29 and 30 uh, make up a section in this chapter, sometimes referred to as the ordu salutis. And with that phrase, I have just um, exhausted my knowledge of Latin. Latin means the order, the order of salvation, the ordu salutis. And I'm going to focus on a particular link in that chain that pertains to your calling. Okay, verse 30, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified, and so on. This text calls our attention to a doctrine that is sometimes referred to as effectual calling. Effectual calling. And I'm very thankful for such a doctrine. If I didn't believe in the doctrine of effectual calling, I don't think I could stand behind this desk Sunday by Sunday. If I thought that Ministering the Gospel, whether it be preaching the Gospel or whether it be speaking to someone one on one about the Gospel, if I thought it all depended on my skill and cleverness and salesmanship, etc etc i don 't think I would bother with it as uh, i don 't consider myself to be a salesman. other people are. My dad was a great salesman. Um, I didn't gain that from him. But, notwithstanding that, the doctrine of effectual calling gives me the encouragement to sow the good seed of God's word, knowing as I do that the Spirit can bless it, the Spirit can empower it, the Spirit can penetrate the hardest heart and bring salvation to the most hardened sinner. So, this is a wonderful doctrine. There is a question and answer in our shorter catechism that pertains to effectual calling. Let me read that question to you as well as the answer. It says, Question 31 What is effectual calling? Listen to this answer. I love the analysis that is given here by the Westminster Divines. Effectual calling is the work of God's Spirit, okay? Whereby, convincing us of our sin and misery. And let me pause there long enough just to point out the irony that sinners need to be convinced of their sin and misery. You would think that they would know it, especially when you uh, find them... Down and out in terms of life. I remember as a a student at Bob Jones University, uh, one of the extension ministries that I participated in was going to a city jail in the neighboring town of Spartanburg. And what they allowed us to do is utilize the courtroom and they would bring in the people that were sentenced to jail. Really what they were was weekend jail birds. It seems like they were in jail every weekend, a regular crowd week weekend and week out. And uh, they must have been released, you know, following the weekend and then before the week is over, they're back in jail again. But I remember thinking to myself, oh, if ever there were ripe pickings for the gospel, this must be that crowd. Uh, How could they not be? Here they are in prison. They're lawbreakers. Um, Surely they will be open to the good news of salvation. But do you know every one of those people, and there weren't uh, a lot, uh, they're they're probably about the same size as what we have here this afternoon, maybe a few more than that, every one of them, are you aware that they were unjustly committed to prison? They really weren't supposed to be there in their own minds. It was unfair that the judge had ruled against them. It was someone else's fault that they were there. Uh, None of them were sinful in their own eyes. They were all righteous in their own eyes. And it certainly underscores the truth, doesn't it, that a sinner needs to be convinced of his sin and misery. Same thing at the Wheeler Mission when I used to preach there. Um, It's amazing. You would think that people there would be convinced of their sin and misery, and yet how few actually are. I wonder this afternoon, have you been convinced of your sin and misery? That is the evidence of effectual calling. If you have found the grace from God to say, Yes, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know if I had what I deserved, I'd be burning in hell. I know my sin. I know my misery. You have cause for joy and rejoicing. If you can honestly acknowledge that about yourself, because the natural man won't acknowledge that. He's too proud and arrogant. Will not acknowledge his sin. So that's the first step in it, okay? Effectual calling is the work of God's Spirit, whereby convincing us of our sin and misery, enlightening our minds in the knowledge of Christ, or in other words, enabling us to see the truth of Jesus, that he is the Son of God, that he is the Son of man, that he is the only mediator between God and men, that he did come into this world from heaven on a mission to redeem those that would trust in him. Okay, enlightening our minds in the knowledge of God and renewing our wills because our wills were very much bent against God, and yet, such is the power of the Spirit. And this is why we sang from that 110th Psalm a little while ago. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. And when the Spirit moves on the heart of a sinner in an effectual way, then the will is not set aside, but it is renewed. Okay, renewing our wills, he doth persuade and enable us to embrace Jesus Christ Note here, there is something that we actually do in salvation. Okay, it's not simply that I wake up and discover myself to be a Christian, so to speak. No, being convinced of my sin and misery, having my mind enlightened in the knowledge of Christ, having my will renewed, I exercise that will by embracing Jesus Christ as he's, freely offered in the gospel. I'm glad to read this answer to the Shorter Catechism just now because it occurs to me, just as I'm standing here, that I have been given an assignment for the next issue of the current magazine, which is to write an article on the free offer of the gospel. Well, here's a resource I can draw from. Jesus Christ freely offered offered to us in the gospel. So in this 30th verse, and I'm borrowing now in large measure from an analysis of this answer that is given by Thomas Watson in his Body of Divinity. Highly recommend that book to you that are interested in theological reading. Thomas Watson's Body of Divinity was the textbook that Spurgeon used in his College for Ministers, and really what the body of divinity amounts to is an exposition of the Shorter Catechism, questions and answers. And so Thomas Watson notes that in Romans 8 and verse 30 is the golden chain of salvation made up of four links, of which one is vocation or calling. Them he also called, Calling is a new creation, the first resurrection. All things really do become new to those who are called in Jesus Christ. And he draws this distinction, and this is very common. This is not something that Thomas Watson invented, but he draws this twofold distinction between an outward call and an inward call call. Something happens outside of us, something must happen inwardly within us in order for this effectual call to take place. When it comes to the outward call, what you have here simply is God's offer of grace to sinners. So, when you gained a saving interest in Jesus Christ, it would have been in response to an outward call you would have heard somewhere along the way, be it in church, in Sunday school, uh, in your home, by your parents, by a neighbor, a friend, whoever, somebody would have been engaged in inviting you to come to Christ. This is the part that we play as Christians when it comes to effectual calling. We have no power to change a heart. We know that. That is supernatural. That is something only God can do. We can, however, give out the gospel. Pass out gospel tracts. Sow the good seed of salvation by grace through faith. So there's the outward call. Inviting men and women to come and accept of Christ in salvation. And we know that many Are called, and in fact, if we're doing our duty properly, we could say that most are called. If Christians are busily engaged in giving out the outward call, many are called, but not all are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. The question that naturally arises is how do I discern whether or not I'm one of those few? And the answer really isn't too difficult to surmise. Are you convinced of your sin and misery? Has your mind been enlightened in the knowledge of Christ? Do you find yourself willing to come to Christ? Not just as a once and done kind of deal, but coming to Christ becomes a practice of life. The evidence of those that have responded, that are chosen among the few that are chosen, is that they do exercise their wills in coming to Christ on a daily basis. This call, Watson notes, shows men what they ought to do in order to salvation and renders them inexcusable in case of disobedience. There won't be anyone that will be able to stand before God on judgment day And say, well, I wanted to come, and I did come, but you didn't choose me. So, God, it's your fault that I'm lost, not mine. Oh, no. You are responsible for your actions. God will hold you responsible for your actions. On Judgment Day, it is men and women that give account to God. It is not God that gives account to them. So there is this... Outward call. And the thing to note with regard to this outward call is that it is something that's sincere. I think of the scene in Luke 19 and verse 41, where we find Christ drawing near to the city of Jerusalem, and he really did weep over the city. His heart was broken in the knowledge that they would reject him. And he says on other occasions, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that slayest the prophets, how often I would have gathered thee to me as a hen gathereth her chicks, but ye would not. So let's be careful in our affirmations of God's sovereignty that we don't at the same time deny man's responsibility. Both of them are true. And uh, I have actually met Christ rejectors along the way that are thrilled, that are happy in the knowledge of God's sovereignty. Uh, It's all of God. He predestinates, he chooses. uh, Therefore, I don't have to give it a thought. I don't have any responsibility in this matter because it's all of God. Well, that's true. It is all of God, but you do have responsibility in this matter as well to respond to the outward call. But then there's also an inward call, and that's really what the shorter catechism answer focuses on. What is taking place within the soul of a sinner when he does respond to that outward call? By this inward call, the heart is renewed. The will is effectually drawn to embrace Christ, The outward call brings men to a profession of Christ. The inward, Thomas Watson notes, to a possession of Christ. Is he yours? Do you belong to him? Does he belong to you? Is he your all in all? Okay. Some points of analysis that Thomas Watson asks, what are the means of this effectual call? Every creature has a voice to call us. The heavens call us to behold God's glory. Psalm 19 and verse 1. And that, by the way, renders men inexcusable as well. (coughs) Pardon me. The heavens declare the glory of God. Conscience calls to us. God's judgment calls us to repent. There are two means of our effectual call, the preaching of the word, which is the sounding of God's silver trumpet in men's ears. God speaks not by an oracle, he calls by his ministers. Samuel thought it had been the voice of Eli only that called him, but it was God's voice, for Samuel 3, 6. So perhaps you think it is only the minister that speaks to you in the word, but it is God himself who speaks. And I would go a step further to draw the application beyond ministers of the word. You and I have the same opportunity to sow the good seed of that word, and we can do so with the same expectation that God certainly can render that word effectual. Christ speaks to us from heaven Through his word. Okay, as a king speaks by ambassadors, so God speaks by us as his ambassadors. Know that in every sermon preached, God calls to you, and to refuse the message we bring is to refuse God himself. So there is the preaching of the word, the communicating of the word, if you will. The other means of grace of our effectual call is the Holy Spirit. The ministry of the Word is the pipe or the organ, Watson notes. The Spirit of God blowing in it effectually changes men's hearts. While Peter spake, we read in Acts 10 and verse 44, the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard the Word of God. And I might say by way of reminder, and this is nothing new, but we need to be reminded of it. This is a primary reason why we pray in the middle of the week. As we begin to anticipate the arrival of the Lord's Day, we need to be in prayer. Lord, make your word effectual. Bless your word as it's read, as it's preached, as we contemplate it. May the Holy Spirit bear witness to its truth. May the Holy Spirit make the application to every heart. We have to have the Holy Spirit doing this if it's going to be inwardly effectual. Okay? Another point of analysis from what does God call men? Well, he calls us from sin. Sin. The effectual call is a call away from ignorance and unbelief and darkness and sin. By nature, the understanding is enveloped with darkness. God calls men from darkness to light as if one should be called out of a dungeon to behold the light of the sun. So the effectual call calls us away from sin. That does not mean that we attain perfection in this life. The evidence of a called man is not that he's attained perfection, but the evidence of that call should be that I sure am striving for it. I sure wish I had it. I'm sure going to do my best with God's help to strive in that direction, being saved from sin, saved from danger, As the angels called Lot out of Sodom when it was ready to rain fire, so God calls his people from the fire and brimstone of hell and from all those curses to which they were exposed. Called out of danger, the danger of hell. He calls them out of the world. As Christ called Matthew from the receipt of custom, They are not of the world, John 17, verse 16. Such as are divinely called are not natives here, but pilgrims. They do not conform to the world or follow its sinful fashions. They are not of the world, though they live here, yet they trade in the heavenly country. The world is a place where Satan's throne is, Revelation 2, 13. It is a stage on which sin every day acts its part. Now such as are called in the world, but they are not of it. That is further evidence of this internal calling. What is your attitude toward the world? Is your attitude that I use it, but I don't abuse it? Is your attitude that I don't set my affections on it or anything in it in such a way that those things rule my heart? But I am set out for a better country which isn't heavenly, like our father Abraham, father of the faithful. That is evidence of the inward effectual call. And then what Watson does here is he flips the coin, so to speak, and he contemplates not only from what God calls us, but to what does God call us. And he calls us to holiness. God hath not called us to uncleanness, but unto holiness. First Thessalonians 4, 7 Holiness is the livery or silver star which the godly wear. The people of thy holiness, Isaiah 63:18. The called of God are anointed with the consecrating oil of the Spirit. You have an unction from the Holy One, 1 John chapter 2, and verse 20. It makes sense, doesn't it, the fact that the third person of the Trinity is called the Holy Spirit would seem to be a sure indication of what we're being called to by his effectual power. 2 God calls them to glory, as if a man were called out of a prison to sit upon a throne. Who hath called you to his kingdom and glory? 1 Thessalonians 2:12 Whom God calls, he crowns with a weight of glory. 2 Corinthians 4:17 The weight of glory adds to the worth. The weightier gold is, the more it is worth. This glory is not transient, but permanent, an eternal weight. It is better felt than expressed. So we're called to holiness, we're called to glory. What is the cause of the effectual call? Well, God's electing love, whom He predestinated, them He also called. And here again, here's the surefire way to discern whether or not you're predestinated. I understand uh, how some Christians, uh, especially who are not brought up in the Reformed faith, they would have a natural tendency to be repulsed at the doctrine of predestination because this does take salvation totally out of our hands and that becomes an uncomfortable feeling initially until you learn that the evidence for it is found in how you've responded to the gospel. Have you been convinced of your sin and misery? Has your mind been enlightened in the knowledge of Christ? Have you been enabled and persuaded to embrace Jesus Christ freely offered in the gospel? If so, then you can say uh, with certainty, yes, I am among those that are Predestinated. We're taught something by that with regard to effectual calling. We are taught that uh, we don't glory even in the fact that we have embraced Jesus Christ freely offered in the gospel. I personally think that this is one of the reasons that these verses on God's sovereignty in salvation are given to us in the New Testament that we learn not to boast in any part of our salvation. It's not because I was wiser. It's not because there was some spark of divinity in me that was uh, not in another man, not because of a level of my spirituality or attainment or merit of any kind. No, I was as dead as the next one, but i have responded to the gospel i have by the grace of god embraced christ as he's freely offered but when i turn around and look at the, the the door behind me through which i've entered that door being christ i see written above the door chosen of god predestinated and so i am taught not to glory even in the action that i performed in embracing Christ. That was by his grace also. Some characteristics of this call. It's a powerful call. Nothing short of resurrection power, according to Paul in Ephesians chapter 1. Nothing short of the same kind of miracle that called Lazarus from the grave is the miracle that brings sinners dead and trespasses and sins To a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We could argue that it's a high calling. It's powerful and it's high. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. It is a high calling because we are called to high exercises of religion, to be crucified to the world, to live by faith, to love God, to be living organs of his praise, to hold communion with the Father and the Son. Oh, it is indeed a high calling. It's a high calling because we are called to high privileges, to justification and adoption. And indeed, we are Called to a high place, even a heavenly country, that Christ has gone to prepare for us. so it's a powerful calling, it's a high calling. it is thirdly, and this is very encouraging, it's an immutable call, immutable, which means it's unchanging. we We think of immutability, don't we, as an attribute of God, and indeed it is, he is. Unchanging, immutable. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance, Romans 11 verse 29. In other words, God will never single you out and say, I sure am sorry I called that person to salvation. What a sorry excuse of a Christian he turned out to be. Uh, no, uh, the devil may whisper in your ear that that's what God thinks, but that is not God's mind Our attitude. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. And Paul is speaking here. That's in Romans eleven twenty nine. 29. He's speaking from God's perspective. God is not sorry that he called you to be his. He set his love on you and he will not lose you. He paid too high a price for you. And you will never be lost. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. And so in typical Puritan fashion now, Thomas Watson concludes his analysis with what are sometimes referred to as the practical application or the uses of this doctrine of effectual calling. Use one See the necessity of the effectual call. A man cannot go to heaven without it. First, we must be called before we are glorified, Romans eight thirty. A man uncalled can lay claim to nothing in the Bible but threatenings. A man in the state of nature is not fit for heaven, nor man that a man in his faith and his rags is fit to come into a king's presence. A man in his natural state is a God-hater... And is he fit for heaven? Will God lay his enemy in his bosom? So use one, the necessity of the effectual call. Use two, of discerning whether or not you are effectually called. I've been touching on this the whole way through. And this we may know by its antecedent and consequent. By the antecedent, before this effectual call, a humbling work passes upon the soul. A man is convinced of sin. He sees he is a sinner and nothing but a sinner. The fallow ground of his heart is broken up, Jeremiah 4, 3. As the husbandman breaks the clods and casts in the seed, so God, by the convicting work of the law, breaks the sinner's heart, makes it fit to receive the seeds of grace. Such as were are never convinced are never called. That only makes sense, doesn't it? If you haven't seen your sin, what is salvation even about? What are you saved from? If you have no knowledge of sin, you are saved from sin's penalty. You are saved from sin's dominion. Okay? By consequence, there are two He who was savingly called answers to God's call. And here again, this is why I lay stress on that part of the catechism answer that says we freely embrace Jesus Christ offered in the gospel. It's not like I just wake up one morning and I've never exercised a will that has been renewed. Oh no, there is something for you to do in salvation You are to embrace Christ, which means simply that you go to Him in prayer and you have received Him as your Savior. Okay? Use three, and this is very valuable, of comfort. What a blessing to know that you are called, especially when you come to recognize that, uh, left to yourself, you would never have called on Christ had He not first wrought upon your soul. This becomes a tremendous source of assurance. Um, I see myself as a sinner. I've called on Christ to save me, which is tantamount to saying, I have been the recipient of nothing short of supernatural power. I'm the object of a miracle. And so are you, if you've called on Christ to save you, because you were convicted of your sin and convinced of Christ's willingness to save. Use for, let such as are called be thankful. Oh my, should, should a day ever go by when a child of God is not thankful? I know there are things in this world that we long for and that we need, but On the other hand, the very fact that you're not burning in hell this very moment means that you have cause for praise and thanksgiving. You've been effectually called. So, amen. This is why we are able to be thankful always in any and every circumstance of life I've been called. I've been wrought upon by God's Spirit. I've been saved by His grace. I've been the recipient of a high and powerful calling. I have assurance that heaven is my home. I know I've referenced this in the past, but I'll say it to you again. In my rides to work years ago when I worked with Dr. Allison, we were both janitors during the summer at a nearby high school, cleaning all the classrooms in preparation for the next year. And uh, boy, could those students do a number on classrooms. Uh, the place was filthy. But anyway, on our way to work, we would have a short time of prayer. And I've never forgotten one of Dr. Allison's prayers Lord, help me to believe the gospel today. Help me to believe it now. Help me to exercise my faith because if I can have my mind and heart stayed on Christ, stayed on how blessed I am in Christ, in His grace, calling me and giving me high and holy privileges, if those can be the things that rule in my heart, then I'll be ready for whatever the world throws at me, Lord. Just help me to Rejoice in thee, because of so great salvation. Okay, use five to the called, and this comes by way of challenge. We are challenged to walk worthy of this high and heavenly calling. I beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1 which means then that we are to walk compassionately. We are to walk uh, holy lives, okay? Yours is a holy calling. You are called to be saints. Show your vocation by a Bible conversation. So, amen. Some verses then, and I'll close with these, that pertain to this high and heavenly calling. 1 Corinthians 16:9 Paul says for a great door and effectual is opened unto me and there are many adversaries and whenever you see that word effectual in the New Testament you are talking in the realm of something that is supernatural Supernatural power. A great door and effectual is open unto me. In other words, I'm preaching the gospel and God is calling sinners to salvation. Galatians 2 and verse 8, Paul testifies, For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. Ephesians 3 and verse 7 whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. And here's one that I love because it pertains to every one of us here uh, and and it pertains to us as a church. Ephesians 4.16 From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. I remember Dr. Cairns telling us he felt that that text was uh, too much for him. How do you begin to comprehend it and break it down? Um, Well, this much I can say, it applies to us all. We all have a part to contribute to the building up of each other in the body of Christ, and this is made effectual by God's calling. And as this happens, the body makes increase unto the edifying of itself in love. What a blessing! 1st Thessalonians 2:13 For this cause also thank we God without ceasing because when you received the word of God which ye heard of us ye received it not as the word of men but as it is in truth the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe Here's another test of the effectual call what is your attitude toward the Bible What is your attitude toward God's Word? Uh, is Is it a book of editorial opinions that was crafted together by some chief editor? Or do you perceive it to be what the Thessalonians perceived it to be, which is the very Word of God? If that is your attitude, that is evidence of this work of the Spirit having been wrought on your heart effectually. And then finally, Philemon chapter 1 and verse 6, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual. Oh my, here's something we can take to prayer. Lord, help me to communicate my faith. And when I communicate it, please, Lord, make it effectual. And Paul tells us, he gives us a clue here as to how this will happen Uh, I'll read the whole verse again, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. As I acknowledge before others my knowledge and assurance that I am blessed in the Lord with salvation and am thankful to God for so great salvation... That becomes a mode of communicating my faith. And oh, may the Lord make such communication effectual, powerful. So there you have in brief summary form the doctrine of effectual calling. Glorious doctrine in the New Testament and one that is certainly borne out by the truth of God's word. And I hope and trust is Born out also in your experience. Let's close then in prayer. Let's all pray. O oh Lord, as we bow in thy presence now and bring this meeting to a close, we thank thee for the gracious work that thou hast wrought upon our hearts, convincing us of our sin and misery, enlightening our minds in the knowledge of Christ, subduing our rebellious wills, renewing them and convincing us of Christ, enabling us to embrace him as he was freely offered in the gospel. O Lord, may this call continue to be effectual in our hearts and may it be initially effectual in the heart of anyone here who perhaps has not yet experienced it.